This podcast is a production of Bread on the Water Media and RadioForThePeople.com and is engineered by Audio Diner Studios. Our theme music is provided to us by our dear friend Gordon Bonham, whose music can be purchased through GordonBonham.com. Our graphics for this podcast are provided by Kathy Piercy Frine. The podcast is sponsored by Artisan Realtors and Silicon Prairie Ventures. This podcast is intended to give people a glimpse at what it's like to get a bad diagnosis, whether it's cancer or something else, and then go through a traumatic experience. First, we will discuss how my cancer story affected me and my family. Then we will talk about how their experiences affect other patients and their families, including discussions around why you need to advocate for yourself or for your family member. As we explore other patients' experiences, we will talk to some professionals about how to move forward after a traumatic, or not, medical event. I expect this to be a discussion that changes over time to reflect these combined experiences that I and others have had, and what our journeys are like, and the inevitable twists and turns that go along with real-world experiences. Join us on this ride as we attempt to show joy and laughter as well as the tragedy. Welcome back to Normal, What's That Like? We're going to continue in this episode with our discussion with our host, Dan Adams, and his story of a cancer diagnosis. So, but I do get, ultimately, I get released, I go home, uh, it, it was kind of fun. I get home and there's people standing in my yard cheering. Um, but, and I'm taking every ounce of energy I have to get my walker from the side door to the front of the house. Fortunately, I have a 95 year old mother-in-law. And so we have a ramp in the front door. So I don't have to try to get up and down the steps and I get inside and a great relief, but I'm home. And from there, you know, we're going to, we have this feeding tube, we're going to do physical therapy and occupational therapy. And that was, and I'm going to say this in a polite and nice way, but it was kind of a joke because what the insurance will pay for, for physical therapy and occupational therapy is not much. So I think I saw one of them four times. The other one I saw twice or three times. And as soon as I was able to basically go to the bathroom by myself and they felt like I could navigate stairs somewhat successfully, mm-hmm. although they never had me do it, they just thought that I was capable. Really? Yeah. Um, they said they were done and insur- that's all insurance were pay- would pay for. So it really so had nothing to do with whether you could walk up and down the steps. It had to do with the fact the insurance They had done. to meet certain guidelines and they met the certain guideline. Um, but the, the scariest part was when the physical therapist first came out, he said, okay, the first test we're going to do is I'm going to give you two fingers and I want you to squeeze them as hard as you can. And he said, okay, you can start. And you I said, said, I'm already I, doing it. I'm squeezing as hard as oh. I can. So my, what I didn't realize was my muscles had atrophied to the point that, you know, well, this drastic weight loss you know, my body was eating itself. And so I was so weak that I couldn't hardly do anything. But the good news was 
something about being at home, I gain strength really fast. Um, I think I, the second day home, I took a shower um, on my own. George Ann helped me with a shower the first day, but the second day I was already feeling strong enough to take, I mean, we had grab bars in the shower that they made me get grab bars and do all that fun stuff. But, um, but I was able to take a shower by myself, but that was also the same day that I saw my reflection in the mirror the first time. And I could not believe, again, I talked earlier about the Holocaust survivors, and I don't use that term lightly because that's a, I mean, that's a really sad history we went through. But I looked like those pictures. I mean, I was literally, you could see my bones, my elbows, joints. You could see my shoulder. I mean, it was, it was very, I, I was appalled. I couldn't believe it. Um, but Three days later, I actually um, went to see this new oncologist that that I was referred to, and this, uh, we'll call her Dr. A. Dr. A was the most positive person I had ever met. I mean, from a medical standpoint, she, I went in the room, she lit up the room with her smile she told me that not only did she think she could help me, she thought she might be able to cure me. Um, I told She asked me what difficulties I was having, and I told her about my allergies and the tube in my nose. She said, we'll get rid of it. She called the nurse in. They took the tube out, that on the spot. Um, she just exuded all this energy, which is really what I needed. I needed somebody to feel positive about what was going on. And the girls were impressed. Georgian was impressed. We, uh, you know, we, I, two other girls went with me, with us to that appointment. And, and the good news is, I mean, doctors in general tend to be, I mean, they have to be a little less than, than you don't want to be too positive. If anything, they want to be, you know, realistic for her to be coming in that positive. You got to feel there's some, some weight behind what she's saying. I, yeah, yeah, I do. And, and, and she's, she's been continued to be, in my opinion, amazing. Now, if there's a downside, she doesn't like to talk prognosis at all. In fact, basically won't because she feels like no matter what comes at her, she can battle it. Which is the kind of doctor you yeah, want. Yeah, absolutely. It it makes it difficult for me to make some decisions about life, but but I get it, and I wouldn't want it any other way. Yeah. Um. So so kind of where things have gone from there, I, I'm not going to spend much time about that. But I had five more um, treatments, and they did uh, give the full treatment in treatment two. I got Dr. Rubison, but they put it in a smaller. I didn't get like 20% less than the full dose um, but on my second treatment. But then from then on, I got the full dose every time. And I was responding well. Um, actually, after my third um, treatment, the one in the hospital, but the second one after I'd been home, uh, I actually felt good enough to go to lunch at Giacomo's Pizza and see some of my old friends and... Uh, I surprised everybody by showing up that day, I think. Yeah, you certainly, but, certainly did. But, um, but I began to feel normal. And it's a really strange word, but, it, it, but I've talked to some other 
people who've been through either cancer or some similar thing. And, and it's one thing you kind of crave. You've been in this hospital or you've been, you can't have, I wasn't allowed, uh, I wasn't allowed to see my grandchildren. I talked about them, you know, one and two year olds having runny noses. Well, because those kids go to daycare and they exposed all kinds of things, the doctors would not allow me to even see them um, until I got home. And even then, you know, I was supposed to have a mask on because they, at one and a half, they're not going to be wearing masks. Right, right. Um, but, but I did get to hold them in my lap and I had my mask on and, and that was pretty exciting. So that was another normal for me. Going to Giacomo's was a normal for me. I began to feel good. Um, I did have one more instance of a pretty bad panic attack. We went out to eat with um, some uh, family, some one of my son-in-law's family, and uh, did, did anything? Just too much. Oh, it was no specific thing that was said or done that suddenly gave the panic attack. It was just the too much stimulus. Too much stimulus. Um, but the, and and I had been given some medicine for that, and I and I took some. I didn't like taking it, but I did take some of it for a while. And, and I'm glad to say that those I've not, that was the last panic attack I've had. And that was back in late April. So, um, so I, I proceed to June 27th. It's, it's my sixth and final treatment. At least at that point, um, they had had me get a PET scan that morning and then she was going to see me at one and she hoped to have the results of the PET scan. Turns out they did have them, but I had my blood work as normal. Um, I had, and now this was before the actual treatment. I still had one treatment to go. I saw her and she showed me the PET scan, which I had never seen from February, showing my liver, my entire liver lit up like a light. It looked like a light bulb. And then the PET scan from that day and my liver was just pink no lights and so um that they call it we they don't doctors don't use the term remission anymore i use it personally because it's um it's something people understand right they call it a complete treatment which means the treatment did what it was designed to do they don't like the term remission i think because that means that maybe something follows that isn't good. So they use the term that you had a complete treatment. Um, and so th- that's how it was described to me at that point was a complete treatment. I would have another PET scan again in 30 days just to double check. Is there any kind of ongoing um, treatment that you have on the small chance that there's remaining cells in there wanting to spring to life? Are, are they doing any, anything so, with that? So the only thing I'm currently taking at this point is I take an antiviral pill every day, um, which has been really cool in some ways in that I haven't had a cold or I haven't caught any of the sniffles the kids have had. I mean, I'm literally taking an antiviral pill every day. Um, and the reason for that is one of the things that potentially sets off your immune system, which sets off lymphoma, is a virus. So your initial... They don't know that, but that's... There's enough... But, but you had just... When we talk, started this this episode, you mentioned that, you know, the, the week or two before, you had had 
uh, nor norovirus. Yeah, but but they don't think that there's any way I could have been as sick as I was at that point for that to have been the, the kickoff. The trigger. So the they trigger. think you were already starting to have symptoms. Well, in fact, I, I was I was explaining to my doc my my new uh, oncologist that I felt like I was so in such good shape in December, you know, that my heart rate was down in the fifties. And, you know, I'm working out three times a week. And she goes, your heart rate was what? <laughs> How old are you? And I said it was in the 50s. She goes, that was the cancer. Really? Yeah. She said the cancer had started to had started to um, to hit me already. And that's why my heart rate was that low. No matter what good a shape, what, what kind of shape I was in without some chemical help my heart rate shouldn't be at 63 or 64 at that point, my heart or 63 at that point, my heart rate shouldn't be as low as it was hmm. even in the fifties, even if I was in, you know, running marathons. Right. So, um, so that was interesting, but so I've gone from there. I had my 30 day treatment. Um, you know, so, so this no, whole normal thing, um, one of the other things that I really wanted to do, we own a lake house. And one of the things that was verboten from the first oncologist even, and through her, the second might, Dr. A, was you can't get in lake water because lake water has all kinds of bacteria and viruses and things that float in it. And forget the brain eating amoebas. Yeah, you know getting in the lake. And I said, when can I get in the lake? She said, 30 days after your last treatment. So literally 30 days after the last treatment, I have an appointment with her. And Georgine goes, are you going to ask her again to make sure? And I said, no, because she'll <laughs> change her mind. <laughs> I am going in the water I'm today. Going in, I didn't go in that day, but I went in the next day. Okay. Um, but. You know, it it, it, it it really does change things. The other thing I got to do that day, um, the tw June 27th that I was in, a lot of people saw the video, I got to ring the bell. And um, because of the journey I had gone through, you know, some people say that it's kind of anticlimactic, but I had been to a point where they're potentially, and I, and I didn't mention this earlier, one of the things that happened around St. Patrick's Day was I was very, very ill. Uh, one of the doctors suggested, and I don't remember which group they were from, I know it wasn't one of the oncologists, but suggested to George Ann that she might want to sign a do not resuscitate document for me because they were that concerned about me. And I also had a premonition around the 18th or 19th of March that I was going to die. And I mean, I felt like I was going to die. And I don't know, I didn't, you know, it wasn't one of those where I felt myself floating above or wasn't any, you know, weird. I just had this feeling that I was that close to dying. And um, so I've come a long way from it, it to even be thinking about jumping in the water at that point. Right. Well, it does seem like um, maybe they could have shipped in the Liberty Bell or something when it got time. <laughs> but after the journey you've described here right now, it's a small bell just doesn't seem to 
to to express the uh, <laughs> the gratitude you probably had at that point I, that you were I going home. I had a home. smile on my face. That's a, uh, just talking about it. I've got another big smile right. on my face. But I had a smile on my face that stayed for quite a while. I think. But I was I was able. Uh, a good friend of mine happened to be in town from Virginia, and he and I went to the lake house together. And I got on a floaty and mixed myself a cocktail and uh, got in the lake and had a great time and uh, it was all good. I think there's, there's amongst some of us, there's belief that a good uh, bourbon helps uh, uh, prevent uh, returns of lymphoma. Uh, yeah, so. well, and, and my liver doctor probably doesn't want to hear that. But, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I think, I think it can't hurt. Right. So post-treatment... Um, the, the two really cool things happened to me. My, I, I, I got to talk to my um, primary care doc and he said, first of all, the very first thing he said to me, he didn't say we, we made a mistake and I don't expect him to say that, but he did say, you told us in the beginning that it wasn't the norovirus and we weren't listening. It teaches me a lesson that I need to listen sometimes better than I do because he said you knew something was going on I think he did admit that they were wrong in a very strong way I think that's actually a better way of saying it than just saying we made a mistake they said you had this and we learned from it that's a good thing so he also told me that um he gave me some information that my doctor hadn't given me I he said well what do you want to do and I said I want to get stronger for a couple reasons one I think if I hadn't been as strong as I was, right. chances are I might not have survived. The second part of that being I feel better when I'm working out and doing things. And and I wasn't allowed. The chemotherapy is so hard on your heart. And I was at such a weakened state. They absolutely told me I could not work out. No lifting weights, no doing anything because they didn't want that extra stress on my heart beyond what the chemo was already putting on my heart. So I was also released to exercise again. And so he suggested I find a doctor who's special or a, a, a physical therapist, a trainer, somebody who specialized in working with cancer patients. And so I got online and tried to find somebody like that. And I found there's an organization that's not around anymore. And so I'm not going to mention its name because it doesn't exist anymore. But I found this information about this doctor who had a clinic where she was kind of meeting with cancer patients and helping them work through things, not therapy because she's an oncologist, not a therapist, but there was also an exercise component to it. So I emailed them like immediately and I never heard back from anybody. So then I called and left a message and I never heard back from anybody. Then I called again, and I finally did hear back. Well, the reason I didn't hear back is because this entity had gone away. It was started during COVID, and the timing wasn't, you know, people couldn't go face-to-face. They couldn't go to a trainer. They couldn't go meet with a person and talk because they couldn't. So she said, I'd love to start meeting with you. And she gave me a referral, oddly, to something called the MOVE program, which is at IU Simon Cancer Center, which my doctor knew nothing about, my oncologist. But it's a program 
where you get a um, personal trainer for all infection purposes. In fact, not only is it a personal trainer, they're a PhD in exercise physiology who works with you for an hour a day, three days a week. So you're, I'm in essence, I have a personal trainer who has a PhD and I go three days a week and it's 36 sessions. I completed the 24th session yesterday. So is that covered by insurance or? It's absolutely free. It's covered by the IU Health Foundation. There's no wow. cost. In fact, the parking is even paid for. I don't pay wow. for parking. That's better when I serve on a jury. I yeah, mean. there you go. <laughs> well, they pay you. Okay. If you want, <laughs> if you want to call it that. <laughs> so, so this move program at, at um, Simon Cancer Center has been phenomenal. I'm gaining strength and endurance and 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 they it is exclusively for uh, recovering cancer patients. It is exclusively for recovering cancer patients. It was started for breast cancer because if you know anything about fundraising and cancer, breast cancer has huge funding for it because it's such a big thing that people yeah. talk about. Um, lymphoma, oddly enough, is the second largest fundraiser. Um, gets a lot of money too, but it doesn't come close to what happens for breast cancer. And so they started this for breast cancer patients and then they opened it up j just actually last January. So if I'd gone through this a year earlier, this program wouldn't have existed for me. Are there any other requirements for someone to get into this program? Well, you do you have know? to take a modified treadmill test and make sure you're physically of, not, of, yeah. of taking it. But no, other than that you're a cancer patient who's had some form of debilitation. Yeah. No. Wow. So I'm 24. Maybe a future uh, episode should be to talk with someone from that program. Um, I might already have permission to do that. Good. Good. <laughs> I think that would be an excellent uh, thing to share with uh, with folks. And and also talking to this other doctor, and and she's probably going to be a future guest on this podcast as well. Has been uh, tremendous for me. I in my whole life I never thought talking to a therapist or anything like a therapist was really something that I would be interested in. And she's not a therapist because that's her degree. She's an oncologist. So she's not using her medical degree. So she's a life coach is what she is for me, for all intents and purposes. But I will tell you what, I just finished my eighth session with her last week. And it's been phenomenally helpful. And Tomato, I, tomato, right? Yeah, I mean, whatever you call her, it's the... Yeah. But, but yeah, she's she's been phenomenal, and she's also a future guest for us. Good. Um, so what else is going on? Um, I've been to the UP and went on a camping trip and couldn't go backpacking because I wasn't quite ready for that. But, but I understand the rest of the folks on that trip were glad you couldn't because that gave them an excuse not to have to backpack. <laughs> and also somebody else had had a, got hit by a car on their bicycle and wasn't able to backpack. So it turned out to be, yeah. be pretty interesting. I also have a brand new grandson uh, who's four weeks old as of yesterday. And his middle name is Daniel. I don't know if it has anything to do with the fact that I was sick or not, but I'll take it however however that goes. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah. Um, so what happens from here forward? I You asked about, I, I get, once a quarter I have to get blood work done. Every six months I have a scan done. Um, Has your oncologist talked to you about on the chance that, oh no, because she, she doesn't talk uh 
possible. Does, does she have a plan for if it returns? Yes. What what the she next was thing? she was would talk about that. She okay. said she said there's lots of therapies. Um, right. Uh, you know, a lot of times with, because it's, I, lymphoma is a blood cancer. So lymphoma relates more closely to leukemia than most other forms of cancer. It's blood cancer. It's spread through your blood and that's, it originates in your bone marrow. So obviously the, the next step, if, if I don't respond to some kind of therapy probably is bone marrow transplant, which is not a exciting or fun process but it works for some people pretty well. And then there's all these, there's new therapies called CAR-T, um, which, which we're familiar with from a friend of ours who right. uh, didn't yeah. fare well with the CAR-T therapy and, and ultimately didn't survive. But, um, but there are some other therapies out there. And so, and your doctor, this is based on conversations you and I have had off off air um, that she is a f- highly familiar with these new, the CAR T stuff and all these new therapies, right? Yeah, she's, she is. She's, she's cutting edge. She does lots of research. She's cutting edge. In fact, uh, we went to the leukemia lymphoma society um, has a walk every year called light to night. And to my surprise, the last person who spoke was a leukemia patient who was telling her story that she had been diagnosed with leukemia was also pregnant and the doctors were like until the baby comes we're hands off but the leukemia was getting worse and worse and worse and she said she finally found a doctor who would treat her and it's my doctor doctor. well it's the light the night thing they could have used your first uh scan of your liver with the way you were describing it oh yeah so i'm going to tell you a little bit about where i am today and that that'll be the end of it so I got down below 160, went from 260 to below 160 in three weeks. I now weigh 193 pounds, um, 10 pounds less than probably when I got sick, but I'm very happy with where I am, working out three times a week. Um, I'm working back to work, doing all that fun. How long that's going to go, I don't know. Um, so... What did this teach me? Did I learn anything from this? And somebody says, well, why would you care about that? Well, that's just the way I am. I mean, you know, some people, uh, what I've also learned is I said from the beginning, some people don't like to talk about this kind of stuff. It doesn't bother me to talk about it. So I feel like maybe I can help people by talking about my experience. Maybe it'll help somebody else. And the first thing I learned is normal things are amazing. Just to go to my living room and have my grandchildren sit on my lap or to go to lunch and have pizza with my buddies or to go to the lake and get in the lake. Um, it's amazing how, how, what a big deal that is. Um, I used to, you know, I said at the beginning that I wanted to travel the world. I still want to travel, but the idea of some huge trip, it's, it's not even, I mean, it's appealing, but it's not a big deal to me every day is something new and exciting and every day that I feel good, especially, and you know, I'm getting older, so I still, you know, my back hurts every now and then and this and that, but you know, just normal things are, are really amazing. It also helps me to talk to others. I learned that. Um, and so if there's somebody out there who, who 
thinks I don't want to talk to somebody, I'm going to tell you it does help. It's helped me a lot. Um, so I'm going to suggest if you get the opportunity um, to talk to somebody, if you don't know who to talk to, um, my contact information will be around this podcast and you'll know how to get a hold of me and I'll, I'll make a referral. Exercising is phenomenal. I, every day they push, in the beginning they didn't push me very hard, but I'm at 24 out of 36 sessions. They're pushing me pretty hard at this point. And they're like, are, is, is that, are you okay with that? And I'm like, bring it on. Are you working as hard out as you did, um, few years ago when you took me over to get fit and did your little program? Um, I'm not using that heavy of weights and stuff at this point, but as far as the physicalness of you feel how like I you're feel, back, you feel like you're close to where you were then those days. No, I mean, no, I'm 90%. Oh, yeah. I'm not, I'm I mean, that's the other thing the doctors told me is it would be a year or two before I'm a hundred percent. And that's if I work at it, if you don't work at it, you'll never get back. And then, so anyway, so I, so I want to get strong. Two reasons to get strong. One is I feel better. The other is I also know if I get sick again, it's going to be really important that I'm strong. Um, I live every day a little differently. Um, I also learned that you don't need blinds to block the light out. <laughs> and be careful with hand sanitizer. <laughs> Great. Um, the other thing I really learned and the last thing I'm going to leave people with, well, the second to last thing I'm going to leave people with is be your own health advocate. One of the biggest and best things we did was have that care conference and draw all those people together and make sure they're talking to each other. It seems like literally I was out of the hospital 10 days, something like that later that we finally got to the point of, and so don't be afraid to, to push a little bit. Yeah. My doctor fired me, but that worked <laughs> that out actually great. Worked right, right. That worked out great. I, I, you know, I, I don't have any ill feelings towards him. Um, but I didn't like his bedside manner. I don't think I did. It had been the same experience through the chemotherapy that I've had this way. And I'm, I'm really thrilled, but um, be your own advocate. Uh, when they're sticking stuff in both arms, tell them no. I mean, you, you know your body. And again, when you know you're sick, I don't know if I said this at the beginning or not, but I told George Ann when they were telling me right. I wasn't, they, they thought it was the, I said, no, something's, something's so, wrong. It's not something good. I said, it's something bad. I don't know what it is but it's not good. Right. I knew something was going on. So listen to your body and, and be good about that. Um, I wrote a little thing here that's, it's not much, but I'm going to say, you never know what tomorrow is going to bring. And I found out really clearly what tomorrow could bring. I had these thoughts that I was at the pinnacle of life and, you know, everything was going to be roses and, champagne from there out and and it wasn't um 2023 was a forgettable year not an unforgettable year although i'll never forget 2023 i can't wait for it to be open over though and the last thing is no more salmon on new year's <laughs> so uh, do, we, do we plan a um a, a new year's on the 20 2024 a big party celebrate well, the start of a good new year 
Yeah, we, we are. Um, although the person I talked to on a weekly basis said, don't be surprised if that's not a difficult day. Because you're going to have I all suspect this stuff I know who going, that on was. <laughs> going on in your head. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I, I'm, look, I'm, you know, I don't have a fabulous prognosis. Again, everybody kind of agrees with that thing that the doctor said. But your best doctor doesn't agree with that prognosis. No, she doesn't. And I love her for that's it. That's exactly right. And that's the one I'm going with. Yeah. So, but yeah. I don't have a great prognosis, but I'm okay with that. But you don't have, well, that's, that's something we should probably talk yeah, about at some point. I'm okay with that. Yeah. But the other thing is in this day and age, in some ways you're, you're right on the cusp of all kinds of new technologies. I mean, literally weekly, they're talking new, new, new technologies and you got, at least you've got a, a doctor who's understanding that and, and up to, to speed with that. And that's the, that's and the I, best and thing. I have a good friend whose, whose son is in the drug business and he's telling me about these new drugs that are in the pipeline. And there you go. We're, we're, we're yeah, we're, we're definitely, you know, I'm prepared to fight. Well, I mean, you got to hang around. Have to. You got to hang around at least 10 years because we plan on having 10 years of this podcast. So, <laughs> so yeah. Well, it was good talking with you, and I know you've got plans for our next couple of uh, episodes with uh, some interesting people to to keep the uh, discussions going. And uh, yeah. yeah, and we'll try to get some we'll try to get some cancer patients too. Yeah, at some point, but but for now, we're going to have a couple of health professionals. I think on the next perfect episode or two. Perfect. All right, thanks, Dan, and we'll uh, we look forward to the next episode. All right, thanks. This podcast is a production of Bread on the Water Media and RadioForThePeople.com.